0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service. We're so glad that you decided to join us today for the third part of our series called Rest. And the big question in the series is, can we get away from all of the exhaustion and anxiety and stress that we experience every day and get to a point where we actually find rest and refreshment for our lives? And in the previous two weeks, if you missed it, by the way, you can catch up on um, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, YouTube, wherever you can listen to a podcast, um, we're there. And you can go and catch up. But this is what we said. It is possible to find rest, but you have to do it God's way. Because He built it into the very DNA of our world when he created it, and when he said, I want you to work six days and rest one. Not I want you to go for six days and just start again. I'm going to create a day for your benefit to find rest. And he actually made it a rule on the same level as not killing someone or not stealing something. So rest is important to God. He modeled it. He asked us to do it, and we learned last week that he didn't Give it just because you want, just for some random reason. He gave it for our benefit and two benefits. One is to find His supernatural provision in our life, and the second one is to really become all that God has made us to be because we can't function and be the people He wants us to be when we're always exhausted. But today we're going to continue because. And this was always on the schedule, but it's interesting. This is the first series that I've done where people came to me after week two, and they're like, but you haven't answered all our questions. I'm like, no, it's, it's still coming. It's, it's still coming. I'm a very practical person, and I believe God's Word is practical. I believe God's Word is relevant to us in this day and age. And I think the reason why everyone asks that question is because, like myself, you have probably asked this question before, How am I supposed to rest? It's good to know that God wants me to rest, that he created a day for rest. It's good to know that there's a benefit to rest. But how am I actually supposed to do it? As I've said in previous parts, I've always struggled with rest throughout my life. And um, I even struggled to just take some time off. So after I was married a couple of years, Yulandi would force me to take a day off. But it still didn't mean that I actually found rest. Because you can take a day off and still work on other things, right? And as I started digging into this, because I started feeling extremely exhausted um, after a couple of years, I wanted to know, what am I supposed to do and what am I supposed not to do? Like, can you believe it that we have to ask, like, how am I supposed to rest? You would think we would just naturally know it. But we don't. We kind of suck at, at resting. And I want to use an example, I think, as we go into today's topic that helps That helps me to just kind of put rest into perspective and what it means. I don't know if you knew this, but when you pump gas, or as we would say, petrol, at a gas station, it doesn't just magically appear in that pipe. Okay? It actually there's there's some tanks underground that runs out of petrol or diesel. So there are these big trucks that have to go to a depot, get the gasoline or the diesel, and take it to a filling station, fill those tanks, so that those tanks can fill your tanks. But at some point, if enough cars have filled up, that tank is going to run on empty again, and the truck would have to come and refill that tank so that it can refill yours. It is a principle in life, I think, that we sometimes miss, and that is that we all have certain tanks in our life from which we live, from which we minister, from which we lead our families, from which we work, from which we do life. But as we do life, those tanks start to empty, and if we don't refill it, we'll have nothing left to give. But we struggle even, I think, with refilling, especially in the day and age that we live in, where we often want to take a quick vacation or we want to take a couple of hours off or something. And we believe that we can be refreshed and then go and do whatever we wanted to do again. And I think one of the, the really nasty things that we've started to miss over the years is that we are not filling up to 100% anymore. We go to initially maybe like a filling up to 75 percent, and then later it's to 50 percent, and later 25 percent. And we don't get why we're always tired and exhausted. It's because we are not living from a supply from tanks that are full. And when we read the Bible, when we see what God wants to do in our life, He doesn't want to fill us up halfway. He doesn't want us to serve him and to live life only with half-full tanks. The Bible doesn't even talk about God wanting us to live with full tanks. The Bible talks about God filling us to overflow. So we're supposed to live and work and minister and serve from a place of overflow, not from a place of deficit. And that is why today we're going to get to the very practical question to say, okay, if we have a tank, one, what are those tanks? And two, how do we fill them up? So our topic, the final part in the series of rest is called how to rest. Now, by the way, I could have done this sermon in two parts. So we're going to move quick. So if you're a note taker, this is the day where you don't write nice. okay? You just scribble it down because we're going to move. But I want to start with what the tanks are. And I actually think we get an indication of what the tanks in our lives are straight from Jesus when he summarized how we are supposed to love God. Okay, If you turn to Mark 12, you actually don't have to turn there. I'm just going to put it on the screen. It's one verse. But Mark 12, verse 30, 30, Jesus summarizes the law, and he says this is the first part of the summary. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, with all of your mind, And with all of your strength. Love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God doesn't just want a part of us. God doesn't just want us to love Him with a part of us. God wants us to love Him with everything. And therefore everything, all the tanks needs to be filled up to love Him. And to live the way He wants us to live. And we get an indication of the type of tanks that we need to refill in our lives when we rest. The first one, Jesus said, love God with all of your heart. This doesn't mean your actual heart that's pumping blood, right? But our heart is where our faith is seated. When we say, we often tell children, invite Jesus into your heart, right? It's where our faith is seated, where our spirit, where the spirit of God lives. So the first tank we have to refill is the spiritual tank. Then Jesus says, and love God with all of your soul. Our soul is where our emotions are seated. Our will. So the second tank we have to fill is our emotional tank. Then Jesus says, love God with all of your mind. Now, by the way, Jesus, when He said this, He's not the first one to have used these words. It was already in the book of Deuteronomy, like closer to the start of the Bible, and Jesus quotes that. But in Deuteronomy, it doesn't say mind. Because in the Jewish culture, that part didn't matter so much. But now Jesus... Ministering in a Hellenistic culture where we had a lot of rationality and reasoning, and Socrates and Plato, and all of those guys, Jesus says, Well, there is a part that people didn't used to care about, but that's actually really important, and that is our mind. It is our mental tank, it's our rationality, it's our thoughts. And then the final part is, He says, Love God with all of your strength. That is our physical bodies. So four tanks, four ways that we love God, that we work for God, that we serve God. Four way, four things, four tanks that we need to fill. Spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical. And I think that is a complete picture also of rest. If all four of those tanks run on empty, it will have negative results in your life. If one of those tanks run on empty, it will have negative effects on your life. So what we're going to say today is all four of these need to be full in order for us to lead and serve and minister well. So how do we fill them? And we're going to add a second text to this today, and you can open your Bibles um, to this one, Psalm 23. By the way, if you've got a paper Bible, if you open it right in the middle, you should be at Psalms. Okay, so very easy to navigate there. And then, not necessarily Psalm 23, but it will be close. Um, So, we're going to read Psalm 23, a song or a poem of David that talks about how God brings refreshment and rest to his whole being. And I'll be reading from the New International Version, Psalm 23. David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not fear evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. He's not full to 100%. He overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love this psalm. And you, you might know it. You might have heard it. Um, somewhere in life, whether you grew up in church or not. It's just so common. It's even on movies and all kinds of places we find this on. But David writes this beautiful psalm of how he's completely rested and refreshed, not because he had a good night's sleep, because sleep alone is not rest and refreshment. He found true rest and refreshment to the point of overflow in God. And we're going to start looking at these four tanks, and, and using the psalm, and using what Jesus said in Mark, and we're going to go in, in the order that Jesus did it in. But before I get you exactly how, I want to give you six very general principles of rest. And then we're going to say, okay, keeping that in the back of your mind, how do we fill the tanks? And I'm going to go through these quickly. But these are six pieces of wisdom. The first one is, this, the first principle for rest is make time to rest. Make time and take time. We spend time just as money on the things that we value most. And if you don't value rest, you're not gonna make time to rest. So let me say it another way. If rest is not on your calendar, you're not gonna rest. I literally book it out in a different color on my calendar because as any goal in life or as anything, if I don't have scheduled time to achieve it, I'm never gonna, it's never gonna happen. So put your rest day on your calendar, otherwise before you know it, your calendar will be filled up including your rest day. And by the way, just in case you didn't get it throughout this series, it doesn't matter what day. We work six, we take one, that's the principle. For the Jewish people, it was Friday evening to Saturday evening, the Sabbath. Most Christians take their rest day, on Sundays, it's the day of the resurrection of Jesus. For well, me, I work on a Sunday. so I actually do rest. I used to do it on a Monday, which is my off day, but now as the children are getting older and they' in school, I'm like, "I want my children to experience the Sabbath rest with me." So we actually do it the way the Jewish people do it from Friday afternoon to Saturday um, evening. And we do it that way. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what day. It's one day out of six, but put it on your calendar. If you don't make the time, it's not going to happen. The second principle, don't fall for the guidelines trap. What do I mean with that? Everyone wants to know what are the rules. And there's two traps when it comes to guidelines. One is to have too many guidelines and one is to have no guidelines. Too many guidelines. That's what the religious leaders did in the days of Jesus. They had so many rules. They thought if we keep all the rules, we rest. Guess what you get when you have to keep all of those rules? Absolute exhaustion from keeping all the rules. So I'm not going to give you a bunch of rules today. This is not about rules, what you can do and cannot do. But don't fall into the other trap in saying there's no guidelines. Because if there's no guidelines, you're not going to find rest. Because you won't have the principles in your life that lead you to rest. So we're not going to go legalistic and have too many guidelines. And we're not going to say, oh, I don't need anything. Because the one will leave you exhausted. The other one will not give you the opportunity to rest. The third one, enjoy it. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy your Sabbath rest. Robert Morris in the book, Taking the Day Off, when he also answers this question, what am I supposed to do? He says, enjoy. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your heavenly father, enjoy your family, unplug from work, disconnect from the online world of email and social media. Beyond that, do whatever refreshes you, do what you enjoy. Just be mindful of God and his goodness as you're doing it. Remember, Jesus said it's made for us, the Sabbath day. We're not made for it. The Sabbath day is there for our refreshment and our enjoyment. But part of what he said at the end is keep God in mind. And that's our fourth principle, is keep God centered in the picture. It is about being, as David said, in the presence of the shepherd. Rest doesn't just come from doing nothing or doing fun things. It can still leave you tired. So from a Christian perspective, I want to encourage you to say, Keep God centered in whatever you do, whatever you find enjoyment in. Otherwise, you're not going to find the rest you're hoping to get. May God part of everything all day long. The fifth general principle is achievement is not the goal. Again, that might sound random to you because you're like, but it's my rest day. The problem is that we're still trying to achieve. We're trying to get to all the nice touristy spots. We're trying to hit the new record on on our running. We're trying to do all of these things where we still want to achieve, or I'm trying to break a new record on the game that I'm playing, right? But this day is not about productivity, it's not about excitement, and it's not about entertainment. It's about rest, it's about sometimes being bored. Instead of just jumping from one thing to the other. And the sixth principle: different people rest differently. The saying, different strokes for different folks. An extrovert, like myself, I often find rest by surrounding myself with people that fills my tanks. An introvert is like, oh, I just died a little bit. (laughs) My tanks are empty. That's okay. We rest differently. So I'm not gonna give you a bunch of principles. Or a bunch of rules. I'm going to give you principles today that will help you to say. How do I fill my tank in a way that honors God and refreshes my whole being? So let's jump into the four tanks. And the first one is our spiritual tank. David starts with this imagery of a sheep that has a shepherd who takes care of him. Now, I don't know who of you maybe grew up on farms or even if you've just ever seen a sheep. My brother has a whole bunch of sheep. They have these long, weird pupils and you look into them and there's just nothing. (laughs) Literally. Have you seen those videos like on social media? Like a sheep in a a ditch and they pull him out and then he jumps and right back in the ditch. Listen, they are not smart animals. And David is like, what I'm trying to tell you is you're not as smart as you think. You need a shepherd. A sheep cannot protect, its, cannot protect itself against a lion or against a bear or against a wolf or whatever attacks it. A sheep cannot even find a place to drink water or a place to find green grass on its own. It needs a shepherd to protect it. It needs a shepherd to lead it to nourishment. It needs a shepherd to take care of it. And this is the image that he uses is that we need, if we want to fill our spiritual tanks, it needs to happen in the presence of God. It needs to come from a place where I recognize my need for him, just as a sheep recognizes his need for the shepherd, but where I'm also willing to need him. It's one thing to say I need Him. It's another thing to say to be at a place where you're like, I can't do this on my own and I surrender to you so that you supply in my needs so that you can protect me, so that you can provide for me. But rest comes from being in the presence of God and David gets to a point where he says, this presence of God brings me to a place where I lack nothing. How do you know if you're Spiritual tank is empty. And I think there's a couple of simple ways, but here are some of the most common ones I hear. People would say, I pray, but it feels like my prayer is at the ceiling, or I pray and it feels like I don't even know if God hears it. My prayer life feels so stagnant. I don't even know what to pray about. Or when I pray, I'm not sure God even hears me because he definitely doesn't speak to me. I don't hear his voice in my life. I don't get guidance from him. I don't see the open doors. I don't know where God is at. Is he hearing me? Is he even answering? I don't know. Or I read my Bible and I don't get what it says. I get nothing from the Bible. I've even heard people say like I would go to church and it does nothing to my soul. It doesn't refresh me. And because I know everything, I don't get anything from the sermon. Guys, all of these are symptoms of an empty spiritual tank when we are disconnected from God and disconnected from a faith family. If God feels distant to you, your spiritual tank is running low. And why does it get low? Because everything you do in life is not just physical. Physical. And it's not just emotional, but it's spiritual as well. Paul says in Ephesians 6 that our fight is not just against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers and authorities. So every single day, whether you know it or not, you are involved in a spiritual battle that we cannot see. And the more intense the battle gets, the more our spiritual tank will drain. So whether you know it or not, every day, your spiritual tank There's some outputs going out of it. And if you don't fill up, you're going to run on empty. And that's why Paul says in Ephesians 6, because we have this fight, we need to draw close to God and put on his full armor. So again, if you want protection, if if you want to be taken care of, if you want to get to a pasture and a table set before you in front of your enemies, it happens through connection with God. The Sabbath rest, this one day out of seven, gives us opportunity to reconnect with God and to rediscover who we are in Him. has Jesus modeled it to us over and over? If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospel books, the four books that tell the story of the life of Jesus. When Jesus ministered, he would always, then after he's had that spiritual output, he would always withdraw to a lonely place where he could be in the presence of his Father. Let me ask you this. If Jesus, God himself, needed to refill his spiritual tank by being in the presence of his Father, how on earth do we think we we can live full, healthy lives without drawing near to God and just being in his presence? We need it. So how do you fill this tank? How do you get to that place where you're in the presence of God? I want to say one word summarizes it all, but I'll give you some example, and that is the word worship. Worship is essential to enter the supernatural rest of God, not natural rest that we can provide ourselves. The supernatural rest of God, something that doesn't come from us, something that our shepherd needs to do for us. David speaks in Psalm 23 of, I can dwell in the house of my Lord. Because the temple, the tabernacle back in those days were the place where God was physically present at. And he's like, I can just stay there and be in the presence of God all day long because it refreshes me. How do we do it? One way is corporate worship especially if your off day is on a Sunday, it makes it easy. Because when we're here, we worship God together through prayer, through music, through hearing the word, and it refreshes our souls. Another way is to read your Bible. And not just to read it as a piece of literary history, but to read it and to ask the Holy Spirit how it applies to your life, to memorize scripture so that when a day of hardship comes, a day of a shadow a valley of shadows that you have scripture deep inside your soul that you carry with you to meditate on it, to ask how it applies to everything in your life. And if you say, like, I don't know how to do this after the service, step into growth. We're going to walk you through a simple one, how to to read your Bible. Another way to worship is to pray. And you can pray and you can declare God's promises that you just read in the Bible back to him. You don't have to be fancy. The Bible says you can just share your heart with Him. No fancy words, no rhymes required. But then also stop to listen. We often think of prayer as a monologue, and we wonder why we don't hear God's voice. Because we just tell God what we need, and we move on. Just sometimes stop. Be still. Set a timer for five minutes or something. And just stay there. And just be in the presence of God. By the way, you don't know how to pray? Step into growth class after the service. We tell you how to pray, okay? Simple. No excuses after today. Another way is to fast. It's something that the early church used to do all the time, that Jesus did as well. You could sing, especially on the Sabbath. I'm not a guy who only listens to worship music. Okay? I listen to any genre out there. But on my Sabbath day, it's the only music that plays. is because I want to be in His presence, and music helps me to do that. So here's the principle. Fill your spiritual tank by reconnecting with God and rediscovering who you are in Him. If you are in the presence of the shepherd, you will be a sheep that is laid to green pastures. Our second tank, <clears throat> sorry, it's our emotional tank, the soul. Jesus said, love God with your Heart and your soul, and we get this beautiful picture in verse five, where David says, "God brings him to this table, and in verse six, he can dwell in the house of his father, and it 's this image of of this deep connection because you don 't sit around a table with your enemy, right They were looking at him sitting around the table. you sit around a table with the people you love the most. You're in a house with the people you care about. So we have these rich images where God brings them into this place of community. How do you know if your tank is dry, your emotional tank? And we've talked a little bit about this, but one, you will feel numb. It feels like your emotions flatline. It feels like there's no more really joys or sadness. It's just kind of like all hover in the middle. Maybe you've experienced this. You find yourself to be irritable. Your fuse is so short. Everything sets you off. And you find it difficult to handle stressful situations. On that emotions line, you find it difficult to generate enthusiasm even for things you love to do. No matter what someone asks you to do, it's always hard for you. There's no more joy and passion in it. Or you struggle to focus on vital tasks. If you're there, you need to get to the place where David sat around the table in the house. So, how do we fill the tank? The most important fuel for our emotional tank is joy. Joy. God made us not just to experience happiness, something temporary, but to experience deep joy. And in Psalm 28, verse 7, we get this beautiful image where the psalmist talks about how joy and strength is connected when we find it in God. So when we have joy, it's not just being happy, it fills us with strength. So if you feel like one of these things that I mentioned, so if you know your emotional tank is running low, you probably have a joy leak. So how do you fill it? One, spend time with people you love. No matter what you read, whether this is secular books or Christian books, emotional tanks are filled by spending time with people you love, and that should be your family, and it should be your closest friends. If you're here today and you're like, Louis, I just can't seem to find joy in my family and my friends anymore. I want to tell you it's probably because you've been so busy all the time that you were in maintenance mode only in your relationship. And you didn't spend enough Sabbaths together. You remember what I said about a Jewish Sabbath a couple of weeks ago? It started Friday evening with a family meal. I love that when we were still in Cape Town in an apartment building full of Jewish people And not very religious, more tradition. But every Friday evening they're at these massive tables. And everyone is invited. And they just sit. And they have fun together. They laugh and they eat. And in traditional Jewish culture, after we've nourished our bodies together. They would share the stories of how God led them out of Egypt. So while they would fill themselves With nourishment and with all of this joy coming from the people they love. And then they would remind themselves of the God who always provides for them. So spend time with the people you love. And if you're an introvert, alone time is good as well on your Sabbath day. I'm not saying this is the whole day. It's a portion of the day. We do one thing together on the Sabbath that brings us joy. Yesterday we went ice skating. Broken ice skating, but skating. Last week, tobogganing. That's easier, right? So we just do one thing. Sometimes it's a board game. It doesn't have to be the whole day. There's still time for all of you introverts to have alone time. It's good. But the second thing. So one, fill your joy tank by being in the presence of people you love. But two, and this really helped me a lot. Maybe it won't help you. For me, this was a deal breaker um, when I tried to rest. Stay away from emotional draining things. And here comes the definition, and this is where where it changed for me. You don't need the news on your Sabbath day. I love a lot of information, and I love research. Guess what? News do not sell because it tells you of all the good stuff happening in the world. It only, mostly, tells you of all the bad stuff in the world. It leaves you feeling angry and sad. Negative. Leave social media one day. okay, You're not quitting on it. But why? Because social media only does two things really well. One is selling you news and stories, whether it's real or fake, that gets you upset. Or showing you very idealistic pictures of life that is not the complete picture. And the one will make you feel angry and sad about the world we live in. And the other one will make you feel sad about your own life because you can't compare to these people. Put down anything that aggravates you. And, and this is where it really changed my mind. Because I was like, but I like, at one point, to play games on a computer. Or I like movies. Or I like stuff like that. And I'm not saying put, put it down necessarily altogether. What I'm saying is leave anything that aggravates you, that makes you feel distressed, that makes you feel frightened, that makes you feel sad. Because all of those are emotional withdrawals, not input. You don't need the newspaper and email and social media and TV every single day of the week. But if you do want to, then make sure that there, it's things that are fun and clean and that will make you laugh. So if we watch a movie together on the Sabbath, it is something that we enjoy. It's not something that's going to make me feel upset. So how do you fill your emotional tank? Your, fill your emotional tank by finding joy in God the people you love, and activities that don't leave you feeling angry, frightened, or sad. Okay, simple. Third tank, mental tank. And you could miss this easily, but David talks about how his shepherd guides him along the right paths. We did a series last year about paths we we pick in life. We don't necessarily just pick good paths in life. To pick a right path means that I'm connected with God, but it also means that I have the mental clarity to see what's good and what's bad, what's right and what's wrong. It means that I have vision for my life. He's not just wandering around aimlessly. God guides him, and he has the capacity to understand and to see and to live with purpose and direction. So how do you know if your mental tank is running low? When you get chronically forgetful, where are my keys? Where are my wallet? Where, where's my glasses? Oh, my head, I forgot about that. Where's my children? I've heard people forget their children. It hasn't happened to me yet, okay? You get distracted, unfocused, and uncreative. We become procrastination prone. I'll put it off till later. And we become accidental mistake prone. I have to redo things, it's a simple thing that I know how to do, but I keep making mistakes. So how do we fill it? Fill your brain with the right stuff. A couple of years ago, I listened to a podcast um, interview with Mark Batterson. He's a pastor of a big church in Washington, D.C., and he has written, I can't remember, like 25 books or something. And, and preaching is a, is a challenging thing because you have to address emotion and the spiritual side and mental things. And he said, the moment that I start struggling to write sermons, I know my mental tank is running low. So, I need to input the right stuff. And for him, it's mostly reading. So, we need to fill our mental tanks with the right stuff. And a great right way is to read. But don't read things that has anything to do with your work. I say that from experience. I love reading books about leadership and church strategy and things. Like, that's naturally the way my brain works. But you know what happens each time you read that on your off day? You're like, ah, oh, this is how I can implement it. And you start doing math in your head, right? Like you're figuring stuff out. That's back to work mode. I'm not resting. I'm working again. So I had to learn. I'm not a, a big reader except for those kind of books. So I had to learn to get other input. So I started reading good fiction books. So read something that does not have anything to do with work, that activates creative spaces in your brain, and that fills you with joy. Second thing, find time to think and dream. Like if you can't look beyond just your daily to-do list, something is missing. God made us in His image, in the image of a creative God. So find space to really just think, to dream on a big picture scale, not planning your week. And the third one is make space for gratitude because if the only thing you can think and plan about is the value of the shadow of death, if that's the only thing you see in your life, it means your mental tank is running low and you need to make time to remember that God is good and that your life is not as bad as you think. So make time for gratitude. Write down things you're grateful for. Remember how good God is and how good it is to be a child of God. But fill your mental tank with information that activates creativity and gratitude and makes space to think and dream. Jesus said, Love God with your soul, with your heart, with your mind, and with all your strength. So, our final tank is our physical tank. David uses beautiful imagery about that as well how he's lying down in verse 2 on green grass, he's sleeping, he's resting. Verse 5, the table set before him, is nourishing his body. What happens when your physical tank is empty? Dr. Sandra Dalton Smith in a book called Sacred Rest, she's actually a medical doctor, wrote about it. And she's like, this is what happens when your physical tank is empty. You lack energy to complete your to-do list. Every day you wake up tired. You are tired, but you struggle to fall asleep. Like, come on, stupid body, go. Like, I'm ready, but he doesn't want to sleep, right? Weak immune system. So you're frequently ill. Because I'm not that tired. I was just ill three times in two months. But it's not because I'm, I'm, I'm that tired, okay? It's weird Canadian winter that I'm still getting used to. Okay. Frequent muscle pain and soreness. This is just a medical doctor writing this stuff. Dependent on substances to give you energy. I can't move if I didn't have caffeine or sugar, or an energy bar, or dependence on substances to give you rest. I cannot sleep if I don't drink alcohol or some kind of pill or eat a certain comfort food. Those are all signs that your physical tank is running on low. And how do we fill it? One exercise and diet. Although we're the generation with the most knowledge about it, we are the most unfit and unhealthy generation to have lived. So make that part of your daily routines, but not necessarily when we talk about exercise or something, about vigorous training or hitting a new personal record or a new distance or something. This is about things that are good for our souls that we can enjoy. The other six days of the week, like, go for it. Learn new skills and teach your PRs. I do it as well. But on the Sabbath, it is to do something that just brings you joy. So go for a walk. Do something that you enjoy. The second one is sleep better. David rested on the green grass. A hundred years ago, people slept nine hours plus a night. And when I was a student, I used to do like four or five. And I figured like, I'm okay because research said if, you've got, if you're fit and you're, you've got six hours, you're good. So I'm like, I'm fit, I'm young, so four hours is probably okay. Now i literally die if I only sleep four hours. But today they say you still need to get between seven and nine hours of sleep. And what do we do when we're busy? We cut out sleep. We want more time for ourselves. So we binge watch stuff that doesn't change anything in our life. That that leaves us with brain fog. So rather just sleep. When you're busy and sleep, don't cut sleep. David said, God, you make me lie down. That's rest. And then the third thing is a random thing, but this also really helped me. Do opposites. Okay, what do I mean with that? If your labor is physical, rest with your mind. If your labor is mental, rest with your hands. So if you work with your physical body all day long... You're on your feet the whole day, running around, fixing stuff, doing stuff, building stuff. Rest with your mind. Read a book. Do a puzzle, Sudoku, something like that. If you work with your mind, like in my case, it's mostly mind work. If you sit in an office or a cubicle all day, rest with your body. Go for a walk. Do a bit of gardening. Do something like that. So do the opposite to what you normally do at work. Recharging your physical tank, whatever you do, whether it's going for a run or working in the garden, won't leave you feeling depleted. It will leave you feeling energized, not empty. So ask yourself when you do physical things, do they produce a deeper sense of rest and peace and well-being in me? So fill your physical tanks by eating good food. By the way, we eat waffles every Saturday morning. I know it's not the healthiest week, but we eat healthy six days a week. So Saturday morning is waffle day in, in the skipper's household. We enjoy doing that as a family. Sleep well. We always sleep late. And do physical activities that produce a sense of rest and peace and well-being. This is not the final answer. Not gonna walk out of here today and rest perfectly because you fill all your tanks and you're just gonna walk out like David and say like, my cup runs over, I lack nothing. It's gonna take some work. And then after a year or two, you're gonna forget all the work that you put in and you will have to realign yourself again and remember to find rest in God for your soul, for your, for your, um, for your spiritual tank, your mental tank, your emotional tank and your physical tank. It's a continuous Process. But here's how I want to close the series. The Sabbath, Robert Morris writes in his book Take the Day Off, is a gift that God has instructed you to give yourself so you can be healthy, productive, long lived representative to a broken world. And So that you can accomplish everything he put you on this earth to do. Find rest in him. Let's pray. God, thank you that you didn't just make us to work and to be busy all the time. But that you made us to find rest and refreshment in you. For our spirit, for our mind, for our souls, and for our bodies. I pray, God, that we will take this rule that you've given us serious. Not in a legalistic way, but in a way where we truly stop to find rest and refreshment in you. So that we can, like David, say, no matter what I face, even if there's a valley of shadows ahead of me, I fear no evil. I lack Nothing, because you have filled us to the point of overflow. I pray that as a church that we would live so differently, that the watching world, the world outside would look at us and say, we want what you have. We want that kind of joy and rest and energy and creativity. May our lives speak of a good shepherd.